Welcome to the Diversity on the Hill podcast with Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Curcio. Here are the ground rules for our conversation. Respect one another. Openness. No assumptions allowed. Mistakes are welcome. And let's grow together. Enjoy the conversation. Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to the Diversity on a Hill podcast. This is PJ, and sitting in front of me, as usual, is PK. And there's no one sitting to our left or right. No, no one, no, no uh, helpers to make us sound smart. <laughs> <laughs> no, none of that today. But we do want to continue encouraging, encouraging uh, you all to reach out to us at diversityonthehill at gmail.com and uh, also on the IG. You can reach us at Diversity on Hill. Yeah. Same place. Same place. All right. Well, hey, we're just going to jump into things today. I don't think this is a week of, of a banter. Um, so if you're listening to this this in a few weeks and you're catching up, um, this community is, is going through a little bit of a tough time right now. And so we're not able to really catch up on what we've done, but we were, we were at the Camporee. We were. And uh, it was it was a nice experience. Good things happened there. The Lord was at work. Yes, he was. But we know that where the Lord is at work, so is uh, <laughs> the enemy is, is not taking a rest, especially during these days. That's correct. Um, and so we wanted to talk about a, a little something this week because we had a, a, an unfortunate, uh, uh, well, we, a tragic death within the, the Collegedale community. That's correct. We had a 14-year-old... Uh, boy, uh, teenager, I guess not. He's a boy. Um, that he was an eight. Did you say eighth grade? He was an eighth. He grade. he was in eighth grade. Yeah, he he took his life, mm. and uh, he completed suicide. And um, it's it's been rough. It's been rough. Uh, found out Sunday morning at the campery as we were packing up to to leave, and um, I um, took a moment apart uh, from everybody. There was a, a tree line not too far from where. Our camp was set up and um, just, you know, gave myself the opportunity to grieve a little bit. And once I gathered myself, we um, uh, told family, hey, we got to go and and um, let all the powers that be know that there was a, a tragedy that I needed to address. And uh, we headed back home. And um, instead of going straight home, we went straight to our therapist's office. Mm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. thankfully, um, she was able to to make time for us and and we started processing that and then we've been it's been a whirlwind since yeah now you your daughter is in eighth grade correct yeah they were in the same grade mm -hmm. um they had been the same class uh i believe in seventh grade um but they were just they were in the same class this year yeah but um, the same grade right, right how right, many right. classes are there there's two or three uh there's two if i'm not mistaken i know that they just no there's three now Okay. My mistake. There's three eighth grade classes now. It, actually, in, in each of the grades, they're oh. at, at the middle school. Yeah, and we know a few people who have kids in there in that same grade, in the same school, in the same, maybe even the same class. Yeah, we have colleagues. Yeah, we have colleagues um, that are in the youth department that also have kids um, yeah. in that grade. And yeah, I mean, it's it's been one of those things that um, the family really gave us a gift to be able to address it up front and, and actually say, uh, what happened um 
And and the reason why they wanted that, they wanted us to have the whole message, which was yes, it was death by suicide. However, um, if you are considering this, contemplating it, having suicidal ideations, um, they want us to, to let you know to reach out. Mm-hmm. Reach out to somebody. Let somebody know there are people around you that do care for you, that do love you, and do want to help you. Yeah. Um, so if this is something that any of you listening are um, contemplating or um, just going through a hard time, just make sure to reach out because there are people there that care and want to want to journey with you. Yeah, for sure, for sure. If you're feeling any kind of thing, please, please reach out. You're you're not alone. And if someone for some reason minimizes it, go ahead and reach out to someone else. That's correct. And make That's sure correct. that you're you're getting help. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it, you know, I want to throw this in there too because um, there's uh, there was another youth, another gentleman. Uh, he's actually in college now. Mm-hmm. Um, that just a couple of weeks ago uh, was attempting suicide, and he reached out to me, mm. and I was able to to get to him before he hurt himself. Mm. Right. And um, you know, there, there are people, and, and you know what the interesting part of this, mm. uh, the interesting part of that was, that experience was, he called me, and I didn't, I wasn't able to answer at the moment his initial call, because mm. I was having dinner with, with my girls, mm-hmm. and um, I was going to answer, though, because he's not that guy who typically calls me, mm-hmm. unless something is up, and, um, uh, but he and I have had a, a mentoring relationship, I have been coaching him a little bit. And um, he called me right back. And when I saw that he called me twice, right? you know, I immediately answered the phone the second go round. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to call him anyways, but right. I just did. And, um, you know, his words were, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was like, where are you? And um, from there, I was able to get in the car and drive out to him. And, and when I got to him... Um, he had the weapon that he was going to utilize mm. and ready to go, mm. you know, and thankfully nothing happened. Yeah. Right. But, you know, reach out. I mean, obviously he could have given up right after the first call, but he didn't. Yeah. And I was, I told him I was proud of him for, for calling me. And uh, now he's getting the help that he needs. He's, he's doing good. I keep in contact with his parents and, um, yeah. So if, again, if this is something that you're facing or you know someone who is who is contemplating it or, or you know, going through a hard time, please, please, please get help. Yeah, please do. I mean, no matter how desperate it seems now, there are always, always things to do, better days. And we need to, you know, we need to hold on to the hope and get, be, get, be hope for people too. We need to make sure that we're we're being able to, to bring hope to people as people of the, the word, um, you know, something that's been hitting me, me lately um, is that we need to be people of good news. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Even in the midst of, of tragic times, uh, we need to be people of good news. Well, you know, we, me and Kershaw, while we're pastors and while we, we've read a little bit and know a little bit about, you know, suicide things and have, have been, you know, been through a couple classes or a couple seminars and a couple experiences. Yeah, a couple experiences <laughs> as, well. as well. Yeah, um, we 
we want to, to to delve further into suicide, but we're not sure this is the necessarily the week to do that. Okay. Um, I would like to to have someone, maybe with a little bit more credentials behind their name in this this to talk a little bit more about specifics of that and stats and, and, and some coping mechanisms. But we did want to make sure that we were saying, hey, reach out to someone if at all you are feeling these kind of things. Uh, so, you know, we we might talk a little, we might touch a little bit on it here and there during this episode. But um, something I do want to touch on because things are so fresh, mm-hmm. I do want to talk a little bit about mourning. Okay. And kind of what happens through this process now. Because we have a whole community that's mourning. Mm-hmm. We have kids that are mourning. We have adults that are mourning. We have a lot of things. And I know that each one of us have had a little bit of opportunity to mourn ourselves. Right. We've we've gone through some difficult situations. I know that you were obviously the youth pastor in this community. And this hit your community. Mm-hmm. So I know there's there's mourning still going on for you right. at this right. point in time. And and. and knowing that child and having that child, you know, within your circles. Oh yeah. He was at Sabbath school on Saturday Yeah, yeah. before mm. he took his life that evening. So, I mean, there you go. You know, so there's definite mourning, mourning through this process yeah. and mourning through other processes. I mean, not that long ago you lost an uncle. That That's correct. And so, you know, mourning, it was an uncle that you that had, had influenced your life. Very close. Yeah. Um, you know, I've lost few years ago, I lost my father. That's correct. And last summer, um, there was an unfortunate, you know, incident where a, a young man lost his life at, at camp, one of our staff members, right. due to a to a heart condition he had. Mm-hmm. And so, the, I want I want to talk a little bit about mourning and how we handle that. Yeah. How do we reach out to people? How do we not <laughs> reach out to people? How do we? Because through losing my father, I actually realized a lot about myself and how mm. I handle mourning. Yeah. And everyone's a little bit different, which makes this tricky. Mm. Because as a pastor, I've dealt with different people in different stages of mourning, and everyone handles it differently. And yeah. it's such a tricky situation. It is. Because some people want one thing while another person wants something totally different. <laughs> some people, they just handle it differently. Yeah. Yeah, that's, and you can say one thing to one person, and it totally backfires in another person. That's exactly how it goes. And it's it's so it, it it's such a difficult process. But I wanted to have a conversation about maybe how each one of us handles the process, or handled our own process. Yeah, and 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 how maybe others can learn from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, you had probably the freshest one with your uncle. Uh, how did you handle the mourning process? What was what was your things? What were the things that comforted you, and what were the things that irritated you? Well, I, you know, initially, I just have to acknowledge the fact that I I consider myself a horrible griever. Mm-hmm. And um, what do you it, mean by that? It, I grew up in a society where men didn't cry, uh-huh. where you just basically stuffed those uh, sad emotions somewhere. Mm. You know, you just didn't deal with them, and. Um, it's obviously a very unhealthy way to to handle this kind of situation, and and um, I uh, it's took it's it's taken a couple of years of working with my uh, counselor and and life coach and ultimately therapist to be able to to start growing in this area, mm-hmm. right? And um, um, I think my my coach said it best. Um, he said that. 
life is about managing your losses. Mm. Um, in this life, in this world, we're going to have a lot of loss. Mm -hmm. And I'm not just talking about loss of life, you know, loved ones. Mm. Um, just think about people losing jobs, losing homes, right? Mm -hmm. Losing uh, opportunities. You know, there's just a whole lot of things that we can lose. Um, and, and all of those situations do bring a, a sense of mourning to you. You can correct. grieve a loss of a job. Correct. And so everything has grieving right, uh, right, right, right. attached to it, which is good to know because I think sometimes we we say things uh, of trying to be comfort to someone who's lost a job mm -hmm. and not realizing that there's actually a grief process going on. Correct. And it's not the same grief process as losing someone. Correct, correct. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But there is a grieving process. There is a grieving process. So continue, sorry. Process. No, you're good. And um, so, so what I did was I acknowledged that and I was intentional about giving myself an opportunity to grieve. Mm -hmm. So, um, first of all, obviously started talking about it, reminiscing on, on uh, the memories that mm -hmm. I had with him, the way that, that my uncle impacted my life positively. Um, maybe some negative experience I had with him as well, because, right, we're humans and no one's perfect. That's inevitable. Um, but then uh, when I went for the funeral, I actually went a couple of days earlier. Mm. And uh, what I did was I was able to visit some of the places that I that I had with him mm -hmm. and had good memories with um, related to him. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, that gave me an opportunity also to to just bathe a little bit, if you will, in in the memories mm -hmm. and the love that I felt at those at those locales from him. And um So besides just giving myself the opportunity to cry, which I learned how to do at the age of 28 because real men didn't cry until I learned they did at the age of 28. Yeah, explore that later. <laughs> which, uh, we'll explore that later. Oh, no, no, no. I'm telling you, this is this is a very interesting dynamic for me. Um, but I say I learned. It's, it's not that I didn't know that men cried. It's just that I didn't implement that into my life until I was 28. But anyways, after after some counseling... Um, but yeah, so I, I reminisced on, on some of the, uh, experiences. I gave myself the opportunity to cry. Crying is not the only way we grieve, right? Not everybody cries and that's okay. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. If you're holding it back, that's a different circumstance, well, which they, is what I was doing. They do prior. say science. Uh, there are some studies that scientifically say that crying actually helps yes because in the grieving process right there, there's actual hormones that are released right sympathy yeah they have the sympathy hormones and and all that good stuff actually get released through our yes lacrimals so it's it's good for you to cry by the way it's, it was good for you to learn that right right no of course <laughs> of course i'm just saying that that there are some people that that crying is not their their go-to and yeah. they're, they're few and far between is not everybody yeah and um but yes crying does scientifically help mm -hmm. uh in, in the grieving process it, it, it was actually an, a gift that god gave us yeah uh that these little old holes by the side of our <laughs> eyes uh can actually make us feel better when they release liquid right mm -hmm. so uh so with that um i've been able to, to to do that now my therapist said that the way that grief grieving worked for works in her opinion is that it's like a blanket that you put on Right. And you allow yourself to grieve. And then when you're when you feel like, OK, 
I'm I'm better now. You just fold that blanket up and and you put it back on the shelf and until you need it again, mm-hmm. right? So there have been moments uh, when a song plays on the radio or um, when I'm eating certain foods that I feel like I want to mourn the loss of my uncle some more, mm-hmm. right? Um, the passing of this this teenager, right? Mm-hmm. It brought back that memory. Mm-hmm. And um, the memory of my uncle. And, and it just, again, I was able to put that blanket on and um, be able to grieve a little bit and then fold it back up and, and put it put it away until next time, right? Yeah. Just last night, I mean, we had a vigil for, for the teenager. And um, towards the end, I was doing really well at the beginning, uh, some would say. And then towards the end of the program, um, I had to have the closing prayer and I couldn't get through it. Sure. You know, that's... It's just how they, how mourning goes, how grieving goes. Mm-hmm. And um, we just have to be intentional about letting ourselves feel and giving ourselves the opportunity to grieve. So um, those are some of the experiences I've had. Uh, some of the negative experiences are, are people that are well-intentioned uh, trying to place my uncle in heaven or hell. <laughs> so, it's like not necessary. And this is this is kind of what I, I, I want to focus on a little bit, too, because if, if we're not a part of that loss, but we want to be comforting. Right. Um, what would you. I'd like to know how people comforted you and how people <laughs> maybe irritated you even well being, because I doubt that there's anyone out there trying to be like, well, this is my time to hurt them. No, <laughs> right? well, oh yeah, no, of course. And, and, and I need to, you know, I need to realize that too, because I, I just realized when my father passed and going through that grieving process, it, I just had some interesting feelings at times that, you know, what, so, well, what do you mean? Well, wait, wait, interesting feelings like what? Well, I, what I'm saying is like people irritated me. Okay. <laughs> with the things they said and they were, well-being i guess i just i had a problem with cliches okay i don't want to hear a cliche i'm a i'm a pastor Mm -hmm. i've heard all the cliches before and said them and 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 and, and said them (laughs) hopefully i didn't say them in these circumstances i don't know maybe maybe i have and but i learned a lot about what at least what i like to hear and not like to hear like i didn't i didn't need at that point in time uh, for people to be telling me, "Hey, it's okay. We have a we have a hope." Yeah, I know we have a hope. Mm-hmm. That, that's and I realize that that's kind of a, a, a like the safest thing to say. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I realized, like, man, I didn't, I don't, I don't care. And and it was really interesting the the the, the people who who would say it, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess that that would also make an impact of, of who said it, yeah, right? Yeah. Like if I barely knew you and you're giving me platitudes and you're giving me like generic sayings, like why are you, why are you even, I, I don't know. It, it was very interesting to me to, to see the kind of things that touched me and the things that irritated me. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't the time when I needed, at least for me, I didn't need to be reminded of the Adventist doctrine of death and dying. I didn't need to be reminded that, yes, you know, Jesus is going to come back one day. He'll make this better. I guess that that wasn't the 
the time for me to hear that. I mean, I knew it. Mm-hmm. It was in my heart. I would say it to myself. Yeah. But when other people were saying it to me, it was very, I found it irritating. Yeah. I, I really did. I found it irritating. Um, That's fair. And some of the things that I felt like were, were the most touching and that helped me were people who just said, hey, hope you're doing all right. Reaching out. That's it. Um, you know, we got a couple of just flowers from people who couldn't be there. And that's it. It was just flowers. It wasn't anything else. And it wasn't something they needed to send. Mm-hmm. And it could have probably been done in a different way. Yeah. You know, thinking about it now, it's like, ah. But when I saw those flowers and I saw who they were from, and I was like, oh, man, they, you know, they're thinking about me. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's all. I think that's all I needed to know. You know, and I'm actually reading through Job right now, which is very interesting. And seeing that whole grieving process that Job went through mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and seeing how his friends handled it reminds me a lot of when I was grieving, right? You know, they, and even, even when dad had cancer, the way people were handling that was, was very interesting to me. So when people would come with their home remedies and say, well, you really need to be doing this. You need, he really needs to be eating better. And, you know, he could do this. And you're thinking to yourself, you don't know, you don't know what the doctor said. Mm-hmm. Like, I knew the doctor said he had six months. Right. I'm like, it, it, turning vegan now is not going to help folks. Right. Like, eating your onion and think, why am I, why is, mis- why is him eating miserably right now? Not that eating vegan is miserably. There were other things they were asking him no, to do. No, of course, Sorry. of course, of course. <laughs> um, it was like, you don't know his situation. Mm-hmm. Just be quiet. Yeah. Just just let us process this. Yeah. And they were good-meaning people. Yeah, they were well-meaning. I mean, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I just found that, I just found most people irritated me. Part of it was the grieving process. Part yeah. of that was that. I was going to be a little bit annoyed at things, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I just lost my father. Right. And you could, you were angry about that, and that's natural. Right. And I, I feel I was blessed in a way. I don't know what people think. Like, some people may think it's differently. I feel like I was blessed to have a long grieving process because mm-hmm. I knew he was passing away. I knew it was just time, and then I was, I was able to be there for the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And that process was tough, probably super tough, but also at the same time, I was grieving through that process mm-hmm. as I lost my father. And but I it just it just reminded me, and going back to Job, at the beginning, Job's friends were just there. Yeah. And that was exactly what he needed. Yeah. Is when they started to open their mouth. That he didn't need that. And some if you read it, some of the things they said were were correct. Yeah. Not all of it. But some of the things they said were just things that they had heard. Some of them I underlined and be like, oh, that's a good line. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't what Job needed, and they didn't know the full story. Yeah. Most of the time when we open our mouths, we never know the full story. That's correct. <laughs> and so we-, we could be saying the most comforting things, but we don't know the full story. Yeah, we share that all the time. And that's why we shut up. We let people talk. Or we let them cry. At least this is my this is my experience. Mm-hmm. And it's when they ask the question that gives us opportunity, that gives us permission to speak. But even then, we need to speak carefully. Yes, and and let me inter- interject yeah, as well the do. fact that we don't need to become fixers. 
Because <laughs> we can't. Because we can't. <laughs> right. We're human. We can't fix this. Nothing you can fix. That we can't fix the situation. And again, we, we would like to. Some of us naturally gravitate to wanting to be a help and an aid. And that's all well and good. But sometimes, like you said, we need to follow the example that Job's friends gave us in the first part of the story, which is just being present. Yeah. Like you said, the power of the, the power of the flowers wasn't the flowers. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that the flowers were there. Right. There and was it, a presence. There was that was their presence in a the moment they couldn't that, be present. That's it. And the flowers didn't say, you know, <laughs> anything. We have a hope. It just said, yeah. sorry. Yeah. That's it. That's it. And and sometimes we want to fix things and we make things worse. Yeah. I mean, and, and so that was my, that that's my experience. I mean, how was your, is it similar? Is it different? Because I know some people feel like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if other people need things, but to me, it's, it's being present. It's, you know, being there in their roughest time of just giving them a hug mm-hmm. and being aware if they need, if they need space. Yeah. Well, uh, as it pertains to my uncle, it was interesting because he was in another state. Mm-hmm. Um, so after receiving some condolences, not a lot of people knew about my relationship with my uncle. So um, the people who found out and, you know, close friends, you know, reached out, just sorry for the loss or what have you, and i here for you kind of, you know. And uh, that was fine. That was fine. You know, the, I guess I was blessed at the fact that I, w- I wasn't in the community in that sense, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of people didn't. I don't think they knew that I lost my uncle, right? Yeah. So there was it was a select amount of people that heard that I had lost my uncle and and none of them tried to fix it necessarily. Right. Uh I did have a couple of people at the funeral that that irritated me because <laughs> they were busy trying to sort the the fact out that how he lived his life. They were trying to determine whether or not he was going to go to heaven and and um I was like, That's well, not their job. No, it isn't. And I love the way that my therapist put this. He was like, when people start talking like that, you need to be like, oh, wow. I did not know I was in the presence of God. <laughs> so so can you tell me when you're coming back to, to raise him up? You know, like, like, shut the hell up. <laughs> like, that's not your job. And as humans, we love, we love to 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 know it know to know everything we mm. want to know every detail yeah, yeah and like we mentioned before and like we say on this podcast all the time when we're having these conversations we don't have the full story mm. and in the end only god knew his heart and let's speak to this situation here now because we have an interesting situation where, sure. where a young man uh, took his own life yes people want to know details they do and i i mean in in, in reality we're all a little curious yeah and kudos to the parents, right? Because the method of uh, of of the suicide they did not share. And and let me let me let me tell you this: if you are in this community, stop trying to find out. If you are trying to find out, yeah. If someone tells you, whatever, it doesn't matter. It, it's not their story to tell. It's yeah. not your story to try to find out. Right. We're not investigative journalists. No. Nope. And it really doesn't matter. Yeah. That's <laughs> and it. also. Uh, let's let's make sure suicide and we'll talk a l- little bit more about this probably when we get into the suicide uh episode that hopefully we'll have in the next few weeks or months mm-hmm, mm-hmm. here but let's let's make sure that we're not doing the same thing about making assumptions 
of this young man's eternity. Oh, no. And, and I know some people, suicide has had a, a very negative connotation in the church Correct. in the past. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's complex. Everything is complex. You it, know? Yes. <laughs> so it's not we, black and white. Yeah. We don't know. And we need to make sure that we're, we're aware of that as well. Um, let's not try to find out stories. Let's just be there for people grieving. And I think that's something that's very important that, that you just, that you said, you know, it's, we don't know the full story, but it's also not our job to know the full story. Correct. Correct. And, and again, we have a natural uh, desire mm -hmm. to know. I mean, just think about this. Go all the way to the beginning. Mm. Right? The, the temptation for Eve was that she didn't know it all. Mm. And she wanted to know. And the enemy was like, if you eat this fruit, you're going to know. Yeah. And, and I've, I've heard a lot of people kind of explain, well, God was trying to keep them, people who, who maybe don't understand the char character of God or who want to understand some psychological things. They say this about the church a lot, that the church wants to keep you ignorant. Correct. And I, I kind of br bristle at that, mm -hmm. right? Because Eve didn't lose her ignorance. Mm -hmm. She lost her innocence. Correct. Correct. That's a good clar clarifying. And sometimes statement. when we want to find out the story, we sometimes lose our innocence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in getting the full story. Yep. Like if you want to know what happened with that politician or how this person perhaps passed or how this person uh, was in a, and I'm talking in general, like we want to know all the juicy details if there's a divorce or if there's a, an affair. Yeah. But why? What does that do for you? It, it doesn't do anything but take away your innocence. It Correct. doesn't make you more knowledgeable. It doesn't mm -hmm. help you in the situation. So stop trying to figure out the full story mm -hmm. and just be there for people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're talking mourning in all kinds of situations, right? Yeah. And one thing that I'm really kind of worried about, and it always worries about me, is the social media aspect of this. So I'll, I'll give you, you know, my own personal experience. All I can give you is my personal experience. Last mm -hmm. summer when we lost that, that young man at camp. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What ends up happening is that, is that in social media, questions are asked. Assumptions are made. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So, you know, to, to, to get personal but not too personal, there were questions being asked about the medical response. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they were. Right? I remember that. And the questions were asked, ho hopefully in an innocent way, but what they didn't realize is how those questions affected those young men and women who were there giving the medical response. Right. Right. What they didn't realize is that the trauma that our staff went through was being amplified by those questions. Correct. It wasn't helping for them to know the full story. Nope. It wasn't helping for them to be asking these innocent questions. Well, was this done? Was this done? I bet, you know, like, you don't know the story. Why are you asking these questions? All mm -hmm. it is doing is opening wounds. Sure, proper people will ask proper questions at the proper time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Trust me, we looked over our medical um, uh, uh, records, and we, we tried to take this as a learning opportunity to see if there was something that could have been done better or right to, 
to prevent this. Right. But it wasn't the social media people's job to try to find out or to, or to give advice or to say, hey, this is what you should be doing. There is no blueprint mm -hmm. for what we went through at camp. And trust me, it was probably the most, even after losing my father, probably the most difficult days of my life were those days. Wow. Because my father, listen, my father was 80. He had mm -hmm. cancer. It was a slow, <laughs> slow, painful death, but I was able to process it. Right. This was immediate. This was reaction. I had 100 staff that I had, had to try to somehow be strong for when I couldn't even be strong myself. Right, right. Right. And then you have people asking questions. You have people, not, I would say, well-meaning people saying things that were borderline just annoying. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and you're just like, listen, we need people just to be there. And, that and, and here's another thing. We need to make sure that our good intentions don't give more work to those going through the mourning process. Yeah. There yeah, were a couple well-meaning things and things that were just done that actually made more work for our staff or for me and my wife. Yeah. And you're just like, you can't give us more work. We're already doing tons of work at camp. Exactly. And now we're trying to mourn and get through this and still minister to kids. And then your, your will intentions are giving us more work. To <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about you just, anyways, and these are just things that through my personal process, I want to be a better support system for people who are mourning. Yeah. And so anyways. Well, I mean, two of the experiences that I, um, again, not trying to be the hero here or, you know, yeah. toot my own horn. This is just Holy Spirit driven, mm -hmm. right? If you pray before you uh, mm -hmm. do anything, the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit will guide if, if we, if we allow the Holy Spirit to, for instance, while at seminary, there was one of my colleagues that his wife died in a car accident. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, mm -hmm. he and I became closer after the death of his wife simply because while he was sitting alone during the funeral um i said he shouldn't be alone mm -hmm. and i just sat by him mm -hmm. i didn't say anything mm -hmm. i just sat by him mm -hmm. when we had the tragedy at camp mm -hmm. um i went over and um i was just there with with some of the first responders mm -hmm. one of them they were just like, uh, after the fact, right? Mm -hmm. They were just appreciative of the fact that I was just sitting there with them. Mm -hmm. I wasn't fixing a thing. Because you can't. Exactly. <laughs> I was just sitting there, yeah. right? And at times, we feel awkward because, especially me, you know, I want to run my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you learn and, and you say, Holy Spirit, you know, just let me know exactly what I need to do right now. Mm. And in some cases, it's just to be quiet. Mm. The presence is enough. And um, because oftentimes when we lose somebody, there's a void. Mm. And your mere presence can fill that void and bring comfort. It's a psychological thing, right? But you don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. And you can let the person vent. They're going to ask questions. And sometimes they're just rhetorical questions. Mm -hmm. They're not questions for us to answer. Mm. Not even if we know the answer to the question. Mm. Unless they look at you and they're like, 
can you answer my question? Mm-hmm. That's when we have the opportunity to do so. But if if not, they're just rhetorical questions. Look at the end of the book of Job, right? You're studying it now. Mm-hmm. God bombarded Job with questions, mm-hmm. rhetorical questions. Yeah. Right? And put him in put put Job in his place after all his, you know, complaining and and all that, maybe frustrations. Um, I wouldn't call it complaining. I'm going to call it mourning. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Mourning. But, because but I'm he, saying w- l- l- he was aggravated by his friends, though. He was like, aggravated like, like, by so, friends. So he he was. Yeah. 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 I mean, anger. But and what's is part of the grieving process? What's beautiful about that, Job, and I want to kind of point this out while we're here. Sure. Is that Job said things that if we said, people would say you're blaspheming a little bit. Yeah. Like, God, you did all these. Oh things. yeah. And, oh, yeah. and I, we know from the story that God didn't do all these things. But since he was mourning, God understood, and it wasn't a sin. Right. Exactly. He did not sin. He did not sin in all the in things all he said. In all the things he said, yes. First off, he didn't deny God, but God also knew he was mourning. Yeah. And by the way, God, before he spoke, was silent for a very, very long oh, yeah. time. Oh, yeah. What, 30 chapters? 30 some yeah. odd, maybe 40 chapters? <laughs> and he didn't exactly. answer the questions. He just basically let Job know, you don't know everything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a bunch of rhetorical questions, right? Oh, man. But, but you know, uh, and I want to go back to what, to what we, were, um, we were talking about, particularly uh, suicide, right? Because th- this is a taboo topic still in our in our maybe not as taboo we're we're now that we're more prone to talking or addressing um talking about or addressing mental health we are more open to to the conversation about it right especially since the uptick of late right and how it's really coming home Mm -hmm. and you know in the end right the the thought process is what does the Bible have to say about that? Or do we have an instance in the Bible where it brings up this whole concept of of suicide, right? And you would think that the one that committed suicide in the Bible and the story that comes to mind, obviously, is Samson's story. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so interesting uh, that Samson made it to the chapter of faith mm-hmm. in Hebrews 11, mm-hmm. right? And... Who who are we to determine where he's going to end up? Because in his death, he still fulfilled his purpose. The purpose with which or the mission that God gave him Mm -hmm. was still completed in his death, right? And again, we're going to have surprises in heaven. We keep hearing this. This is a cliche and I get it. But God knows the heart, mm-hmm. and that's what it boils down to. Not making an excuse for someone to contemplate suicide. Mm-hmm. Let's let's steer away from that. There are other choices you can make, okay? But God is the one that knows the heart, and we need to understand that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not just talking about suicide. Now I'm talking about in any and every circumstance. Sure, God knows the heart. You know, there are people whose lives may reflect the fact that, nah, <laughs> not, not at all. But at the end of the day, you don't know what happens. Right. You don't know when someone's unconscious what's happening. Mm. You know, we're told that that the ears still functioning, you know, auditory functions, even when someone's in unconscious or in a coma or whatever. We don't know what mm. is happening. 
And it's important for us to, to just stay clear of trying to put people in heaven or hell. That is God's job, not ours. Mm-hmm. And if we default to that, we'll save ourselves from causing more strife than is required already in the mourning process. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, tough topic. Listen, loss is, is not something we were built to do. No. <laughs> it, it's funny to me because even, even people who are God deniers, who are maybe staunch evolutionists, when they lose someone, though logically they know this is what's coming, and they even believe it's a part of life and a necessary part of life, they still mourn. That's correct. Because we weren't, we weren't hardwired to mourn. No. We weren't. We weren't hardwired to lose. Anything. And, we weren't supposed to suffer any losses. Yeah. And, and sin um, is very good at taking things. It does not give. And so in these situations, we need to make sure that we're giving of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Not, not taking anything from anyone. You know, when someone's mourning, you know, be, be present for people. You know, if you want to know how you can help, if you see something that needs to be done, go ahead and do it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. just be present and be available. Yeah, and give yourself the opportunity to mourn. Yeah. You know, give yourself the opportunity to grieve and grieve well because if you don't, it's going to ultimately exude from you. Yeah. Um, and uh, like I mentioned before, I know you wanted to go back to this. I learned this at a very late age that... um. It was okay to cry. Well, we'll get into a crying episode later. <laughs> to me, that's a later episode. No, it's but fine, yeah, but. it is okay to cry. It is okay to mourn. It is okay to to go through a, a tough time. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm I'm really feeling for for the family in this situation. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as as much as you will mourn in this situation, your day to day life will eventually go back to normal. Yeah. Their day-to-day lives will never be normal again. Will never be the same. Yep. Never be the same. Again. It'll be a new normal for them, um, and that's hard. And, and that, yeah, that's tough. So we need to make sure that we lift up the the family up in prayer. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll pray for the bakers here and um, at this time. But again, we want to hear from you. Um, also, diversityonahill at gmail dot com uh, or on the IG diversity on a hill. And um, yeah, let us know what are some things you do, and uh, we're gonna. Be intentional about bringing a counselor on to talk, maybe resources and tools, some some statistics on on these things, and um, and hopefully it'll be an, an episode that 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 really see the importance and 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 the intentionality uh, needed in order to to be healthy um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. All right. Well, and, and by the way, oh, yeah. I don't care when you're listening to this episode, whether it's now or you're catching up five years from now. <laughs> um, if you hear this episode, still lift up the family in your prayers. Absolutely. Because this is this is a road that will never uh, be quite the same until the Lord comes back and fixes fixes this world. Right. Uh, but yeah, continue to pray for families who have lost loved ones, um, especially in tragic ways, because there is or, or or a son or a daughter oh yeah i mean it's it'll be there forever i continue to pray for families who i know have lost loved ones years later because the process continues to go so even yeah. if you're listening to this two years from now and you're like ah they prayed about it then 
no pray for the family right now as you as you hear hear this yeah all right well let's pray yeah father we we thank you for the opportunity to to pray and um we are mourning we have heavy hearts and uh you do say in your word in matthew chapter 5 verse 4 that blessed are they who mourn for they shall be comforted and right now i just want to pray uh comfort uh over the baker family uh, asking that you may come near to them that you may continue uh to journey with them because you, you were all, you were there you were there the whole time you had never left them you never abandoned them so just bring them comfort like only you can that they may be able to adapt in into their new normal seem as seamless as possible and that our community will continue to be a supportive one uh, for the rest of their lives until you come again but father we have listeners that have also lost lost loved ones and are probably grieving or um, at some point you know had the opportunity to mourn or or, or didn't mourn it says that you bring them comfort as well that they may draw closer to you that these experiences may make us desire your coming even sooner and father we thank you because we know that you have the keys to hell satan does not win in the end you do so until that day give us strength grant us peace and thank you for your love. We love you so much in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Adversity on a Hill. Know that you are loved. It's PJ, and I'm out. And PK here. Many blessings. Till next time. <laughs>